Mark chapters 8 and 9, Jesus has finally got through to his apostles so that they understand he is the Christ, God's anointed one. He's started to plainly explain to them how that means he's going to suffer and die, but on the third day rise, and while they don't fully get it, he continues to work with them to help them get there. Peter, James, and John, even witnessing him in all of his glory as he's transfigured on the mountain. And as obvious as we might think that should make things, especially because we know where the story of Jesus is headed, appreciate that those guys still had questions. And as we come to know Jesus, we'll see that he's willing to answer them. In Mark chapter 9, beginning with verse 9, and as they were coming down the mountain, he charged them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead might mean. And they asked him, why do the scribes say that first Elijah must come? And he said to them, Elijah does come first to restore all things. And how is it written of the Son of Man that he should suffer many things and be treated with contempt? But I tell you that Elijah has come, and they did to him whatever they pleased, as it is written of him. As Peter, James, and John try to make sense of this. Notice that one of the things that they just don't get is what Jesus means when he says he's going to rise again. Certainly they've seen Jesus raise some people from the dead. There are stories from the Hebrew scriptures of prophets raising people from the dead, but Jesus is talking about things in a whole other category. And to have that tied into the identity and mission of God's anointed one of the Christ it was mind-boggling for them. They really couldn't make sense of it. So they've got these questions, but they're sort of keeping them to themselves, not least of which because Jesus didn't want them broadcasting these details about who he was yet. After he rose from the dead, that would be a different story, which is part of why Mark's gospel exists. But at that point, if his own apostles were struggling to get it, you know the populace at large would struggle too. But there was another reason in it too. As these guys were trying to work it out, they were thinking about all the things they'd been taught growing up about the Messiah and what he was supposed to accomplish. And one of the things that the scribes had interpreted from some of the other prophetic writings in the Hebrew scriptures was that the prophet Elijah would come up. Now, as these guys were coming off the mountain where the transfiguration occurred, Elijah had just been there talking to Jesus. So you can see how they might be trying to piece all of this together and figure out what all it meant and is what just happened the fulfillment of that. And Jesus says, actually, no, Elijah did come, but his coming wasn't rising the way these guys were trying to make sense of what Jesus was talking about. We have interpreted for us even more clearly in other gospel accounts that Elijah came through John the Baptist. The ministry and the prophecies of John the Baptist were very much like Elijah, even down to the clothes that he wore and the type of preaching that he engaged in. So John very much was that fulfillment that there would be an Elijah to come. And all you have to do is see the reaction to John, the new Elijah, to understand why Jesus wasn't broadcasting 
who he was yet. Because while some people joyfully embraced the message that he brought, others, especially those with power and influence, rejected that message. As earlier in Mark, we see that John had been beheaded by King Herod. So when Jesus is telling these guys to be quiet, to not tell anybody yet, that's part of what's going on here. You can see how people, how influential people, how even religious people, when their minds are not set on the things of God, but they're focused on their own expectations, miss what's to be accomplished. And just as John, as that new Elijah suffered, Jesus, as God's beloved son, as the Christ, the Messiah, would suffer. And that would actually be part of the plan. Even though it's not what people were expecting, it's what God had always been working to, to accomplish what he wanted to do for his people. So as we see Peter, James, and John, of all people, struggling, realize that even when we know Jesus is the Christ, even as we hear about his death, burial, and resurrection, as we try to follow him, sometimes we're going to have questions. Sometimes there's going to be things in God's word that we're not quite sure how it all fits together. Sometimes there's going to be things that Jesus calls us to that's hard for us, that might be painful for us, that's confusing for us. And the way that we resolve those questions is to trust and follow Jesus, to keep coming back to him, to keep asking, to realize that what he has done through his death, burial, and resurrection is the answer to everything. It's the fulfillment of everything. And even though we might not understand how it all fits together at a particular moment in time, just know that in Jesus it does. Other people might have their own explanations, their own opinions, but can't always trust what people say. After all, people beheaded John the Baptist. People crucified God's only son. But Jesus, you can always trust Jesus. Whatever questions you have, whatever struggle you might be facing, you can bring it to him, and he will be the answer. He will be the way that it gets reconciled, that it starts to make sense, that it all comes together because that had always been.